0: like it was something that I needed to do. That's the answer that nurse Kim Langford gives when people ask her why she left the, the relatives safely of her home in Oklahoma City, and her husband and her three children to take a 21 day long temporary nursing assignment at a New York City hospital which is the United States epicenter of the COVID-19 virus. Since March March 29th, Kim has been on the front lines, working 14 hours a day, seven days a week, caring for more than 10 patients at a time on the COVID-19 floor of the Harlem Hospital Center. She works on her own, without any assistance uh, from a nursing aide or a technician, She does everything from changing soiled bed linens to administering medicine to covering the bodies of those who do not survive this disease. It's physically, mentally, and emotionally challenging, so much so that that scores of other volunteers over the last several weeks have given up and left because of the intensity of the work. So what gives Kim the, the, the stamina to, to go the distance, to, to press on, to stay the course while other people flee? Her husband, Ben, who is the director of the Center for Global Missions at Oklahoma uh, Christian University, believes that his wife has been gifted by God to do this. You see, Kim is, is more than just a nurse. First and foremost... She is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And it is that commitment to Jesus and her love for Jesus' people that serves as the motivation for her to intentionally demonstrate great love in the midst of great difficulty. And that, brothers and sisters, that's what I want to spend this morning talking about. I want to talk about intentionally demonstrating great love in the midst of great difficulty, and we're going to do that through the second part of our series entitled "Anchored in the Storm." If you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open it up to to First Thessalonians chapter one. We're going to uh, read together verses two through ten. 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verses two to ten. If you were able to stand, would you please do so? We. Give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God our Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of God. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Ben came up uh, with this sermon series entitled Anchored in the Storm. And he wanted to examine these key themes in, in the book of 1 Thessalonians to help you and me stand strong in the midst of all that's going on right now. And those uh, three themes that Pastor Ben uh discovered or, or, or found uh, are, are right there in verses 2 and 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Three weeks ago, Pastor Ben talked about the work of faith. Next week, Mike Bongo will talk about the steadfastness of hope. And today, I'm going to talk about the labor of love. Now, Pastor Ben intentionally chose First Thessalonians because it was written to a, a group of Christians who were facing a very, very difficult time. A time where, where they were facing the real prospect of, of, of not just physical harm, but, but potentially death. But the source of of their their danger wasn't uh, some unseen virus or an imploding economy. Instead, it was from a group of people who hated them for their newly discovered Christian faith. Let me explain by giving you a brief history of what was going on in that time from Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 1. Now when they had passed through amp- amp- amphib- amph- oh, Amphibolus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying and some of his brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men have turned the whole world upside down and have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And many of them believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when See, the Apostle Paul and his ministry partner Silas, they had recently been attacked by an angry mob in a city called Philippi, beaten by rods from the government officials, thrown in jail, and then miraculously rescued by the hand of God. And their crime? Nothing more than telling others about Jesus, the Son of God, the only Savior of humanity. And after fleeing for their lives, they traveled approximately uh, 70 miles to the east, uh, or, or excuse me, to the west, to the city of Thessalonica. And there Paul kicked off a three-week preaching series about Jesus in the local Jewish synagogue. And as a result of, of preaching to, to this group of Jews as well as Gentiles, many of them uh, repented of their sins and received Jesus Christ in faith. But not everybody was pleased with what Paul was teaching and as a result another angry mob forms they go looking for paul and he and silas they have to flee under the cover of darkness Now, with with Paul and Silas out of the picture, the angry mob, they turn their attention to these new Christians who are living in Thessalonica. And it is those Christians whose lives are in great danger because of their faith that 1 Thessalonians is written. And with this letter, what Paul is doing is Paul is seeking to encourage them not to simply hunker down and survive in the midst of danger, but rather to thrive by actively living out their Christian faith. And one of the ways that that he calls them, and one of the ways that he calls you and me uh, to do that is by laboring in love in the midst of great difficulty. But what does that look like? What does laboring in love uh, look like when we are surrounded by uh, adversity and suffering? Well, that's what I'm going to show you this morning, but in order to do so, we need to take a moment and actually talk about what love is. When we use the the English word love, it it can mean many, many different things from uh, adoration all the way to lust. But in the ancient Greek language, the language of the New Testament, there were very specific words that, that expressed very different kinds of love. The first one was eros, it it, it was used for sexual passion, it's where we get the word erotic from. Now there was a second word for love, it was called storge, it was uh, used for familial devotion, uh, the kind of love that one would have for a mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. And then there was a third love, phileo, it's friendship love, it's the love that that you and I have for our friends and, and co-workers and neighbors. And that's why Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. And these three words, they were uh, crazy popular in in ancient Greek literature. You go back and you look at at literature from the first century that was written by the Greeks, and, and these three words for love were everywhere. But there's a fourth Greek word for love. A word that was rarely ever used in any of the ancient Greek literature until Jesus showed up. And that word is agape. It is a love that, that is driven by, by choice, not by emotion. It is a love that is self-sacrificing, a love that, that freely gives without consideration of what it might get in return. It is the love of God that overflows through the pages of the New Testament. It is the love that, that John speaks of it in John three sixteen, when it says, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. It is a love that goes to the cross, that, that pays for the sins of, of, of sinners like you and me. It is the love that God expects from those who claim the name of Jesus Christ It's a love that we are called to faithfully demonstrate each and every other day. And every time that we encounter uh, the word love in 1 Thessalonians this morning, save one place, Paul uses agape love. He doesn't use arrows, he doesn't use storge, he doesn't use phileo, he uses agape love. And we need to keep that in the forefront of our mind as we read this text. You see, the great love that God is calling us to demonstrate in the midst of great difficulty is a sacrificial love that puts the needs of others before our own needs. And with that said, let me get back to the text. We find our first point contained in verses 6 through 10. Of chapter one of First Thessalonians. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true, or turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son or His Son from heaven, who He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see, the first thing that we see in the Scripture is that Christian love finds its power in an unwavering faith in God. You see, in the midst of affliction, in the the midst of struggle or pain or fear or rejection, these young Christians somehow remained grounded in their new faith. So grounded that they became examples throughout all the the regions of, of, of Macedonia and Achaia. These are huge areas And and all the Christians that live in these areas who've been Christians for a really long time, they're now hearing about the faith of these very, very young Christians. Their faith was so strong that they turned away from their idols, idols that they had undoubtedly worshipped from the time that they were young, and they began to faithfully worship the living and true God. And they did all of this in in the midst of of affliction and and persecution. They're new Christians, yet they were fiercely committed to the gospel. And my friends, there is nothing like struggle to prove the genuineness of our faith. It's easy to follow Jesus when things are going smoothly, when all of our hidden idol worship is fully satisfied. But it's in the midst of adversity that the reality of our faith is truly revealed. Think about it. The last six weeks have done a great job of exposing the things in which we put our trust. Because it's when we lose that in which we put our trust that we cry and moan and complain the loudest. Have we been complaining about the loss of comfort And the loss of our freedoms? Have we been obsessed with how much money we we have or how much money that we have lost? Is our joy absolutely devastated because of a a layoff or a loss of a job or maybe a cutback of our hours? Are we going stir crazy without professional sports or dining out or going to concerts or, or even sending our kids to school? Are we living in fear because of the uncertainty? Of everything, Is protecting our health the only thing that we can possibly think of, regardless of what it may be? That which consumes our thoughts, especially in times of difficulty, is ultimately that in which we place our faith. Psalm 16 speaks to this. The sorrow of those who run after another god shall multiply. You see, when we place our trust in anything other than Jesus, when we pursue something other than the gospel, our sorrows will always multiply. And some of us are finding out the hard way right now that we have placed our trust in things other than Jesus. But listen what happens when Christ and his gospel become the focal point of our lives. Verses 8 through 10, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is, is glad, my, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to shoal, or let your Holy One see corruption. You see, as as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, you and I do not need to be incapacitated by that which is occurring around us. We don't have to simply hunker down and hide. We don't need to live in fear. God has got this, and he's got us. There is no need to be shaken. Our hearts can be glad. Our entire beings can can rejoice and be secure even in the midst of sickness, even in the midst of death, even in the midst of isolation and struggle and anxiety and depression because God has not abandoned us. But more than that, he wants us to to use us in the midst of this difficulty to actively demonstrate his love to others, both those inside and outside of the family of faith. And that brings me to my second point, that Christian love sacrificially cares for both Christians and for non-Christians. You see, after the Apostle Paul and and Silas were, were run out of Thessalonica, they sent a young pastor by the name of Timothy, back to the people in Thessalonica to check on how these new Christians were doing. And Timothy, he does just that, he checks on them, and then he returns back to Paul and Silas. Listen to what Paul tells us that Timothy found when he visited the church in Thessalonica. It says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And check this part out. And may the Lord make you increase and unbound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. You see, when Timothy returns from Thessalonica back to Paul and Silas, he tells them that, that the Christians there in Thessalonica, they are standing firm in their faith in the midst of great difficulty, and encouraged by this wonderful news, Paul challenges them in verse 10 or 12, to increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And what is the Greek word that Paul uses for love? Agape. He wants them to abound, to overflow with a love that sacrificially puts the needs of others, both Christian and non-Christian, before their own. And brothers and sisters, what I have witnessed over the last six weeks, and what our staff here at Living Water has witnessed over the last six weeks, is that members of our church family are sacrificing greatly for others, both outside and inside the family of faith. The other day, I reached out to Mike Bongo, our director of Uh, outreach and evangelism. And and Mike's really on the front lines of making a lot of this happen. And I said, you know, Mike, I've seen a lot of things, but would you tell me some specific stories that that I can share with our our church family of, of how they have been sacrificially loving others inside of our church and outside of our church? This is what he shared. He said, not a single compassion request that he has re- received that that have been sent to living water not a single one has gone has been denied every request from those inside of our church family and outside of our church family has been in one way or another completely met that's an amazing thing many of you give give hundreds and and thousands, our church family gives hundreds and thousands of dollars over the year to our compassion fund, and Mike and his team distribute it, and there's not been one compassion request that has been denied. People in our church family, uh, when a a plea goes out for, for baby supplies, they The baby supplies show up in front of Mike's office and and donated from people in our church family. And then other people in our church family take those baby supplies to the homes of people who actually need them. Others have contributed toilet paper, which is distributed through our food pantry. Gift cards, which Mike Bongo has been regularly giving out to those who are financially struggling. One living water family dropped off a a group of N95 uh, masks which were then taken to community general by another member of our church family who works there at community general. Just the other day, an elderly woman who who lives in in the surrounding neighborhoods just showed up at at Living Water's door. And and she appears to be a widower or, or, or single or doesn't have any family, but she says, I have no one to cut my grass. And Mike has a a group of volunteers who over the last several weeks have said, hey, I'll do whatever you need. We call them our our COVID-19 team. Mike's got them on an email. He sends out an email and says, hey, we've got this woman who needs her grass cut. He doesn't get just one reply back. He doesn't get two replies back. He gets multiple replies back within the next hour or two. Multiple people from high school students to a single mom who's been laid off from her job say, hey, I can cut this elderly woman's grass. Think about that for a moment. Here's a single mom who undoubtedly has struggles of her own trying to figure out how to pay her rent or pay her mortgage, pay her bills, because she has no income coming in right now. Rather than her hunkering down and and being miserable because of her own struggles, she says, let me sacrifice for another person. But there's more. Through the sacrificial donations to our Compassion Fund, we have been able to pay the rent and mortgage payments for folks at Living Water who have lost their jobs. But it's not just filling big things like rent and mortgage payments. It's small things like a, a guy coming to the food pantry to get food and saying, hey, I don't have enough gas to get home, and and let me prove it to you by the guy turning on his car and showing me that his gas gauge is laying below empty. And we get the privilege of driving down in a separate vehicle to a gas station and putting fuel in this guy's car. And speaking of our food pantry... Man, have our food pantry volunteers stepped to the plate. That's a pun. You should be laughing right now at home. Uh, Serena Hansen and her team added a fourth day to our food pantry distribution and increased our food pantry pickup or our pickup from the Central Pennsylvania Food Bank from every two weeks to every week. And, you know, all of these volunteers that I have just mentioned, you know what they could have said? They could have said, you know what, I need to stay home. I need to stay in the safety of my house. I need to play it safe. But instead, they said, no. I'm going to take a risk because I want to show the love of Jesus Christ to those inside our church family and those outside of our church family. And those, what I just told you, they're just the ones that I know about. They're the ones that Mike told me about in, a, in like a five-minute telephone call. There are many people who are doing things outside of, of what the church even knows about it. There, there are some of you taking care of, of elderly neighbors. There are others that, that you're babysitting uh, uh, the child of a parent who, who still has a job but they don't have any daycare to send their kid to. Some of you are setting aside parts of your stimulus check so that you can help other people. And on top of that, we have countless medical people and first responders who are risking sickness every single day. That, brothers and sisters, that's what fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ do in the midst of great difficulty. They sacrificially show love to those inside and outside of our church family. But why? What motivates them? Is it just a command in the Bible? Is that the motivation? No, there's something greater than that. It's because Jesus did the same, but on a much grander scale. Listen to the words of 1 John 3. By this we know that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. You see, the heart of the gospel is agape love. It is sacrificial love. Jesus gave himself to the point of death for our benefit. We were inflicted by sin, unable to heal ourselves. Jesus sees our plight. But he doesn't hunker down in heaven he doesn't lock himself in and instead he leaves the beauty and the safety of the glory of heaven and he enters this ugly messy broken world that we live in and he didn't have to do that he could have let us die in our sin He owes us absolutely nothing. We don't deserve salvation. But Jesus sees our plight. He enters our world. And through his death and resurrection, he secures our forgiveness. When we couldn't do it ourselves, God does it for us. And we are called to do the same for others. You see, being a Christian isn't just about what we say with our mouths and believe in our hearts. It's also about what we do with our lives. And that brings me to my final point about laboring in love. Look at verses 9 through 12 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, now concerning brotherly love, you can guess what part of love that is, phileo, You have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Now that's agape right there. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. You see, my final point is this, that Christian love quietly and intentionally provides for its own needs. See, in these verses, the Apostle Paul, after praising the Thessalonians for their love for others and encouraging them to do do that love more and more, then he adds a final and, and seemingly Unexpected command. He tells them to make it their goal to live quietly, to mind their own affairs, and to work with their own hands. What in the world is up with that? How does abounding in love for others tie in with living quietly, minding your own affairs, and working with your own hands? We find the answer when, when we look at the opposite. Of those three things. You see, when when we don't seek to live out our faith quietly, we have a tendency to become spiritually obnoxious, perhaps fanatical people. And we all know people like this, they are insufferable Christians. They spend all of their time talking and posting and tweeting about their faith and very little of their time, if any at all, actually living out their faith. They don't hesitate to to put down others for for what they believe or what they don't believe. It's, It's all about what they're against, not about what they're for. They're quick to talk. They're slow to listen. And they rarely, if ever, put any sacrificial actions behind their words. And when we don't mind our own affairs, we become busybodies. Concerned more about what other people are, are doing or aren't doing uh, rather than focusing on what we're actually doing. And as a result, we're, we're quick to, to point out the sin and failure of our neighbor and we're very slow to examine our own sin and failure. And when we don't work with our hands, we become Lazy. We aren't able to help others because we haven't done very much to actually help ourselves. Foolishly, many of us have gotten ourselves into an inordinate amount of debt. We can't afford our lifestyles, but, but we keep deceiving ourselves into thinking that we actually can, and we stretch out the pain longer and longer and longer and longer because we're unwilling to, to do the difficult things to to make that debt go away like sacrifice and and working other things so that we can pay down that debt. We, We spend more than we make and as a result, we live from paycheck to paycheck or access card deposit to access card deposit. So when it comes to sacrificing for others, we couldn't be generous even if we wanted to be generous. When you put all of those negative behaviors together, fanaticism, busybody and, and laziness, you get a very unappealing Christian who is virtually incapable of loving others in the manner in which they themselves have been loved by Jesus. But when we live quiet lives, when we focus on making sure that all of our affairs honor God, when we diligently work to provide uh, for our own needs, Paul tells us what will happen. Look at the verse 12. So that you may, what, walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Isn't that amazing? How you and I daily choose To live our lives drastically affects our ability to minister to others. Now, as I prepare to close, I want us to think about something as it relates to this whole COVID-19 virus outbreak and God's command for us to intentionally demonstrate sacrificial love to others. You know, one of the things that, that greatly frustrates me is the unbelievable division that is occurring here in America and has been occurring for many, many years. It's, it's uh, inescapable. The, the hatred and the disunity that has infected our country is so incredibly tragic. And, and you would think that a worldwide health crisis would cause people to come together. But sadly, it hasn't. People are seeking to place blame, everyone is posturing for power. Everyone is pushing their own agenda. And brothers and sisters, those of us who love Jesus, we need to be very careful that we don't fall into that trap. We need to look beyond the headlines. We need to look past the talking heads. We need to look beyond the press conferences and the tweets and the posts and the blogs and the memes. And remember God's command in Galatians 6. So then... As we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Brothers and sisters, this is our opportunity. This is the time for Christians to be a bright light in the midst of overwhelming darkness because this virus It is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't care if you're a Democrat, a Republican, or a Libertarian. It could care less whether you're rich or poor or middle class. It doesn't care whether you're black, white, Asian, Latino. It simply doesn't care. It could care less about your age or your education. It doesn't care about your religion, your sexuality, or the neighborhood that you live in. COVID-19 is an equal opportunity, infector, and it is an equal opportunity killer. And the same is true about the response to the virus and the fallout from that response. Because that too is not a respecter of persons. All of us have been affected by this in one capacity or another. People have lost jobs. We've had our hours cut. We've been forced to work at home. Businesses are being destroyed. Retirements have been wrecked. People have lost family members. They can't even say goodbye to them in the hospital. They can't even have a decent funeral. Students are missing out on their education. Weddings have been postponed or radically altered. And the things that bring joy into people's lives have been put on hold. Everybody is struggling. And we have been called as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ to step into the mess and to show great love in the midst of great difficulty. Because that is exactly what Jesus did on the cross. May we not squander this incredible opportunity to do a great labor of love. May we intentionally demonstrate great love in the midst of great difficulty, and may Jesus be exalted and glorified from our obedience. God bless you guys. Brothers and sisters, we have a great call from our Savior to go and to love others like Christ has loved us. I pray that we as a church family, that we would make it our first priority to bring glory to Jesus by sacrifice, sacrificially loving others. In a moment, I'm going to, uh, to bless you, but I want to remind you of a couple quick things. First of all, uh, at 11 o'clock, our student ministry is uh, going to do a, a Zoom teaching Uh, for all of the students in in our uh, middle school and our high school. It'll begin at 11 o'clock. Pastor James and Harry have uh, sent out the appropriate information for your students to be able to get online, so we're excited about that. Uh, Secondly, uh, we're going to probably do it around, uh, we'll do it around 1020 since we're getting wrapped up here right now, but we uh, have started uh, this opportunity since we can't get together on a a regular basis here. We're doing something that we're calling Afterword, W-O-R-D, W-O-R-D uh, which gives you an opportunity to uh, interface uh, with myself. Uh, Mike Bongo is going to be on the Zoom call uh, to talk a little bit about the sermon, to ask questions, to, to share uh, insights. Uh, it's basically going to be kind of a, a, a free uh, reeling kind of thing. Uh, we did this uh, the other evening, uh, shared uh, my testimony uh, on Saturday, Sunday night, and uh, we had a really good time. Had about 100 different families in that Zoom meeting. And so uh, the way that you uh, get out to that is you visit uh, livingwatercc.com slash afterword. That's what you put in your browser. Uh, emails have been sent to your home. You can click on the link in the email. Uh, text messages have gone out. You should be able to click on the text message also. Uh, but if you put those words, livingwatercc.com slash afterword, in your browser. That'll take you to a page where at the very bottom is a, a Zoom link that will actually put you into the Zoom meeting. And we're doing that to try to control the whole uh, Zoom bombing thing that's going on. So, hey, we love you guys so much. As I was reading that in uh, that passage out of First Thessalonians, and could see how, how much Paul wanted to be with the people in Thessalonica. Uh, guys and ladies, I got to tell you, we want to be with you so much. Uh, and I know that you want to be with us. And so continue to pray, uh, continue to live out your faith. And uh, let me pray for us now. And uh, we'll see hopefully a lot of people at 1020 online. Uh, precious Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we could worship you. And uh, Lord, in the midst of uh, this great struggle, I pray that you would be glorified. Uh, Lord, that you would use us in powerful ways to demonstrate your love to others. And Lord, even in our own church family, there are people who are suffering greatly because of this virus. Just this morning, I heard from our dear uh, friend, Dr. B.B. Lyman, that uh, her uh, cousin's husband, uh, who was about 40 years old, uh, passed away uh, this morning. He had been on a ventilator. He leaves behind his wife, Kemi, and uh, their sons, Timmy and Toby, and his wife, Heavenly Father, as you know, uh, lost her mom last year. So I pray for Kemi and her kids I pray that B.B.'s family would be able to minister to them. I I lift up uh, uh, folks uh, like Newt Davis, Heavenly Father, who uh, is struggling with this right now in a a nursing home. Dear God, I pray for him. I pray that you would rain your grace and mercy down upon him and his son and daughter and and their extended family. And Lord, for all the others in our church family and uh, their assorted relations that are struggling in the midst of this. God, would you work in a powerful way? Uh, Lord, we know that you are in control. We know that you are at work. We know that you are getting seen in the midst of this. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would use every one of us to show your great love in the midst of this great difficulty. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you guys. Uh, We love you. Amen.